Hello and welcome to The Shadow from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Adventures of the Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. We do not have to worry about coal this winter. The anthracite industry expects to produce several million tons more than it did last year, so you can be sure there will be enough coal for everyone. However, your fuel dealer needs your patriotic cooperation to aid in planning deliveries so that everyone will have enough coal for immediate needs. Remember, we must share and share alike. Don't demand delivery of more coal than is actually needed for your present heating requirements. There is no need to hoard. Cooperate with your fuel dealer. He can and will schedule deliveries so that your heating requirements will be taken care of this winter. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret, the secret of hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Wailing Court. Mr. Van Dyke, as your lawyer, I protest against this fantastic idea. Danforth, my mind is made up. You have your orders. Very well. I'm sending Joan to my place in Carolina. She will hear nothing of this. I will not have my daughter touched with sorrow. She is very dear to me. Do you understand? Stop here, please. This is the establishment. Shall I wait? No, thank you. Goodbye, Danforth. Goodbye, Mr. Van Dyke. Yes? Huh? Oh, didn't see you for a second. The light is dim. We do keep it rather subdued in here. I'm Ellsworth Van Dyke. I phoned you. Yes, sir. Uh, please sit down and we'll discuss the type of funeral you want. Casket? That's it. Is it possible to have a special casket made? Yes, but of course you realize that the price... Money is no object. Oh, I see. Well, now, uh... What would you like? The casket must be made of some material that will withstand decay. I prefer glass. Glass? Yes, I must have it. Now, how wide is the average coffin? Approximately three feet. I want this one five feet wide. Five feet wide? But it will take time to have it made, Mr. Van Dyke. It must be ready within two weeks. At that time, you can have the body changed to the special casket. 
But naturally, you proceed with the funeral immediately. There's not going to be any funeral. Yet. No funeral? But surely you can't wait. I can wait, Mr. Griswold. Hmm? Yes. You see, I am to be the occupant of that coffin. Mr. Cranston, in all my years as an undertaker, I've never seen anything like this coffin I've just delivered. You are interested in the strange and weird, so I came to you. Well, I'm very glad you did, Mr. Griswold. A glass coffin? That's not all, Miss Lane. He insisted that the coffin be ventilated. Oh, not really. Go on, sir. I can see there's more. Mr. Van Dyke demanded some means of communicating with the living from his coffin. A telephone? Yes. It's connected with a speaker in his house. He's to be placed in a mausoleum on his estate. Well, he must be afraid of being buried alive. Well, there's another angle, Margot. I've heard that Elspeth Van Dyke believes that the dead can communicate with the living. Uh, Mr. Griswold, I know he has a young daughter. Any other relatives? His brother... Arthur and his wife live with Mr. Van Dyke. I, excuse me. I, I left this number. It may be... Hello? Yes, he's here. What? Oh. Well, I'll tell him. Hmm? Come on, what's wrong? Ellsworth Van Dyke has just died suddenly. He's being placed in his mausoleum immediately. <laughs> down these newspapers, making a sensation of Ellsworth's funeral. It was that fool coffin of his, Clara. Now everybody will be watching us, prying into things. There's no need to break down, Arthur, and act like a nervous idiot. Yes, you can talk. Thank heaven Joan isn't here to ask questions. What sort of questions, what? Uncle Arthur? Joan! Joan, darling! How did you get here? By train, Aunt Clara. I came as soon as I heard that Father was dead. But who told you? You weren't to hear. Oh, it wasn't your fault I heard it. Someone phoned me about Father. Who did that? I don't know. They, they said it was a friend. Oh, Joan, you poor darling. Don't touch me, Aunt Cara. Do you think I can't see through you? You hated my father. Both you and Uncle Arthur. Joan, how can you say that? How? Because I know. You have it over him like two vultures, waiting for him to die. Waiting for his money. Joan, I realize you're not yourself. But... My father wouldn't believe what I told him about you and Aunt Cara. And now he's dead. Both is dead. What are we going to do about her? She's our responsibility now. If she goes on like this, she'll cause a scandal. We've got to do something. Yes, people will talk. Is that you, Sarah? Yes, Mrs. Van Dyke. Did you ring for me? It must have been Miss Jones, Sarah. Miss Jones? Is she here? She just came home. Oh, poor child. Sarah, you must help us. What do you mean, sir? Joan has her mind filled with all sorts of strange ideas. Yes, I know. You realize that they are ridiculous, don't you? That she's suffering from hallucinations. Well, why don't you answer? I'd better go to her, sir. She needs me. Sarah? Oh, Sarah. There, now, child, I'm here. Sarah? What would I do without you? Dear, dear, dear. You must rest. Perhaps if I turn the radio on, though. No, please. No, I'd better not. Might keep you awake. It's late and you must sleep now. Sarah, father thought the dead could send messages to those they loved. 
Sleepy, you mustn't think, Joan. Just rest. Rest. There, dear. There. Miss Van Dyke, you're sure you heard your father's voice? Positive. Lamont, you take Miss Van Dyke into the other room for a minute. Uh, good idea, Miss Lane. Good idea. Come on, Miss Van Dyke. Oh, come with me. Uh, well, what do you think, Cranston? Sounds like a very strange business, Commissioner. If it's true, you think that the girl is unbalanced? Perhaps. I've got a hunch, Commissioner, that she did hear something. Oh, now, Cranston. Not the voice of her dead father. Commissioner, he was afraid of being buried alive. So he arranged to communicate with the people above and be rescued if he were. Do you think it's possible he actually was? Good heavens, what a terrible idea. Yes. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go to the Van Dyke estate and find out. Come on. <laughs> Van Dyke, you understand that the police can exhume your brother's body if circumstances justify it. Commissioner Weston, surely you don't take the ravings of a poor, hysterical girl seriously enough to act on them? Uncle Arthur, you must listen to me. No, Joan, my brother is dead. He must be left in peace. Well, if he's really dead, how do you explain the voice? Voice? What voice? Miss Van Dyke says that last night she heard her father calling to her. She heard his voice? Just after two o'clock, I was awakened by my father calling my name. Oh, it was a dream. No, I was fully awake. I know my father's voice. Uh, Mr. Van Dyke, did you hear the voice? No, I heard nothing. If it had been my brother speaking from his tomb, everybody would have heard it. The merest whisper there is magnified into a shout in that receiver he set up in the hall. Mrs. Van Dyke, did you hear anything? Nothing. Sure, you were with me until I fell asleep. Did you hear anything? No, child, I heard nothing. You, you were looking at me. Looking at me as though I were out of my mind or something. I tell you, I heard my father crying. Oh, doesn't anyone believe me? Joan, you must be calm. When you've had time to rest, you'll feel less excited. I want an investigation. I demand I it. won't have it, you hear? Why not? Why are you afraid to have anyone examine him? I know why. Because you murdered him. That's a lie. Oh, one moment, please. Oh, yes, please. Murder, eh? Now we're getting somewhere. He has no proof. Maybe we'll find proof. You've got a motive. Motive? What possible motive could I... Money. Right. Van Dyke, if you could get this girl shut up as insane, perhaps you could grab his money. That's motive for murder. My brother died a natural death. It was pretty sudden, wasn't it? He, he slipped away in a coma. What was the cause of death? It was certified as heart failure. There was nothing wrong with my father's heart. We'll find out. I'm going to have an autopsy. May I speak, Commissioner... I was Ezra's lawyer. What is it, Mr. Danforth? I have kept silent till now, but Mr. Van Dyke's will expressly forbid exhumation of his body. Now what? 
Just a moment. If the police decide to exhume the heirs that lose their money, under those conditions, any one of them could stop you by an injunction, Commissioner. Then, then Mr. Danforth, you're against me, too. Oh, now, Joan, dear. You're all against me. All of you. Joan, Joan, wait. Margo, come here a moment. What is it, Lamont? Let's slip away. I want to pay a visit. A visit? Yes. I want to spend an hour tonight in the tomb of Ellsworth Van Dyke. Our government has asked everyone to work together on a plan which will permit delivery of some coal to every bin. Consumers who have large supplies of coal on hand have been asked to withhold orders for additional delivery. Those who need coal at once should order only enough to take care of immediate needs. There is no shortage of coal, but your dealer has a real wartime delivery problem. You can help solve this problem by notifying your dealer of the approximate amount of fuel you will require for the entire winter. This will enable him to carefully plan deliveries so that everyone will be taken care of. Planned deliveries will also cut down on gasoline consumption as well as save wear on tires. Another thing. Remember, there is no advantage in placing duplicate orders with two dealers because this only complicates distribution. Your blue coal dealer has received hundreds of new orders for coal, and he is anxious to see that everyone is taken care of. Your friendly cooperation will make possible the delivery of enough coal so that no one needs suffer from coal. And now, back to the shadow. We'd brought Commissioner Weston. Poor Weston. He's trying to find his way out of legal red tape. But we can't wait? No. Something dreadful is going to happen here. Come on. I want to see inside the tomb. The beautiful mausoleum, Margot. Yes, if only we didn't have to go inside. Shall I turn on my flashlight? No, no. Someone in the house might see it. And here we are. Well, it's unlocked. Oh, what a noise. Step inside. Um, you go first. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll shut the door. All right. Now the flashlight. Why? Why, it's just an empty room. Listen to the echo. Uh, speak low. Where do they keep the bodies? In the crypt below, I suppose. That big metal cover slides back. Must be a lever here somewhere. Oh. Look down into the crypt. Oh, Lamont. Turn the light that way. There it is. Eldritch and Dyke's coffin. Why, it's huge. But there aren't any stairs going down. Ah, so it seems. Well, no one could get down there without help. Don't stumble, Margo. Hush. Two o'clock. Yo. Joan. That's it, Lamont. That's the voice she heard. Joan. Father. Father, you've come back again. Father, speak to me. Clara. Clara, are you awake? Yes, Arthur. Did, did 
Did you hear it? That voice. Voice? I didn't hear anything. It was Ellsworth's voice calling. Joan was right. No. I heard it. Then you're insane, too. I've got to investigate. I've got to find out. Where did that voice come from? Oh, there's a light in that room. Who left the light on? Is anyone here? No one. Somebody left that phonograph turned on. This time of night? What? It's Ellsworth's voice. It's on that record. So that's what Joan heard, a record. Someone is using it to fool her. Poor child. But who? Who would do that? Who is it? It's you. You. To think how I've trusted you. And all the time you've been using this record to torture that poor child. Wait. Put down that gun. Put it down, I see. I... Cranston, I think somebody murdered Arthur and tried to make it look like suicide. Not a very skillful job, either. Yeah. Weston, did you notice this phonograph? Somebody's been playing it. Oh, forget that stuff. I'm thinking about Ellsworth Van Dyke's will. Listen, it makes Arthur Van Dyke guardian of Joan until she's 21, with full control of her money. If he dies, the management passes to Clara. Hmm. I wonder if Ellsworth Van Dyke had a special reason for that. Well, the point is, five years control of that fortune, and you could be sitting pretty. Mm. Cranston, I think our case is solved. Where are you going, Commissioner? Clara Van Dyke? Yes, Commissioner. Clara Van Dyke, I arrest you for the murder of your husband. But Lamont... Why come here to the Van Dykes in the middle of the night? Arthur's dead and Mrs. Van Dyke is in jail. Yes. So the person behind this thinks that the coast is clear. Margot. What? There's a light in the tomb. Come on, quick. Why, the door's open. Yes. And candles burning. Look, Lamont. You were right. There is a staircase going to the crypt. That wall is a sliding panel. Someone open it. Come along, Margot. Down in the tomb? Well, what do you think we'll find? The end of this mystery, Margot. And the criminal. Hurry. All right. Flash a torch around it. Oh, there's no one here. <laughs> Lamont. What was that? The panel's closed. We're locked in. Oh, Lamont. <laughs> Say, I know that voice. Yes. Yes, you know it. Sarah. Why, it's Sarah speaking from overhead. Yes, through that opening. You'll pay for your meddling, you fool. Sarah, it's you who killed Arthur Van Dyke. Yes, I killed Arthur. And I made Elizabeth Van Dyke want to die. Sarah, how did you do it? I lied to them, all of them, about each other. Well, what, what motive could you have? To drive Elizabeth Van Dyke's daughter insane. Insane. And you can't stop me, for you're going to die, too. Die. Down there. The mob were locked in. What can we do? I'm not sure, Margot. But I think that... What's that? Come on, that noise. There's someone here in this world with us. Steady, Margot. 
Turn your flash that way. Lamont. Lamont. In the coffin. The body's moving. He's tapping on the glass. The coffin. It's open. He, he's sitting up. No, oh, Margo, stop. It's all right. He's alive. It's Ellsworth Van Dyke. Come here. It, it was Sarah. Mr. Van Dyke. It was Sarah all the time. Yeah, help me hold him up, Marco. He's very weak. Yes, Lamont. You've been drugged, haven't you, Mr. Van Dyke? Oh, how horrible. No, I did it myself. Had to. To find out who in your house was plotting? Yes. I nearly went crazy, wondering. If you feigned death, you thought matters would come to a head. Yes. Sent Joan away. But Joan's here and in danger. Joan's here? Yes. Look, Ellsworth, I must escape from here. How do I release the panel? The cob wreath up there. Yes. Pull down. Pull down. It opens the panel. Mama, he's fainted. You stay with him. The shadow has work to do. Joan. Wake up, Joan. What? Oh, dear. I was dreaming. I had a bad dream. I'm glad you're here. Yes. I'm here, Joan. Pains in my head are awful. You've told me how bad they are so many times. I've listened to you. Listen to me now, Joan. What was that? The door opened. Is someone there? No, it must have been the wind. No, Joan. Tell me that I'll get well, Sarah. No. No, you'll never get well. Slowly you'll sink. Down, down, down into the quicksands of insanity. No. Your brain will turn soft. No. Your eyes will stare sightlessly from your head. Sarah, don't say that. You'll pay for the pain you caused me. What have I done to you? You... You stood in my way. Always. Sarah, I didn't know. No, Joan, my darling, you didn't. But you'll pay just the same. I swore I'd avenge myself on you all. And I have. Your father is dead. His death hastened by the worry I plotted in his mind. And you, my dear, are going insane. No, Sarah. No. I murdered your Uncle Arthur, and your Aunt Clara will pay for it with her life. Now, there's only you. I'll go to the police. I'll tell them. No. You won't, Joan, my dear. I, I will. You'll do as I say, Joan. Yeah. Here. Sit down. Sit down, I say, at your desk. Now, write this. I can't live without you. Father. Father. I am following you. I'm following you. Sign your name. Sign your name. All right. Everything's ready. Now, there's no reason for you to live, is there? No reason. Open the door of your desk. A gun. Yes. 
A gun. Place it against your heart. Now I can go to my father. Pull the trigger, Joan. It'll be very easy. Pull the trigger. Why did you throw the gun to the floor? She didn't. <laughs> the shadow did. Shadow? Well, where are you? Where did you come from? I can't see you. The shadow cannot be seen by mortal eyes. I've come to right a wrong. To save this girl from your evil plans. And to make you pay for your crimes. You can't save her. It isn't safe to defy the shadow. Tell the truth. Why did you commit these crimes? You said Joan stood in your way. How? Tell me. Her, her father loved me. Go on. And he would have married me if his brother and that wife of his hadn't told him it was unfair to Joan. So you plotted against his family. I hated them. Ellsworth went away without a word to me. Then I hated him, too. That didn't give you the right to commit crime. You must pay. I'll never be brought to justice. Never. Drop that gun. Oh, how terrible. Death is not as terrible as a crime like hers. Corroding hate drove her to it. And then, to death. <laughs> What a nightmare. But you say Joan's all right. Well, she's taking care of her father. That'll help her to forget the horror she's been through. The doctor says he'll recover. Why, Lamar, she must have been mad to do such a thing. Well, half mad for the moment. But did Joan really hear him calling from the tomb? No, Margot. He was in a stupor for 60 hours from the drug he took. As for the voice, years ago, Ellsworth made a phonograph record of his own voice calling Joan. Sarah played it. But, Lamont, how could Joan hear the record? Well, the phonograph was connected to Joan's radio with a wireless pickup from the other room. Every night as she left Joan, Sarah would fiddle with the radio pretending to turn it off, but really setting it for...